0: is Jimmy Scroggins and I'm the lead pastor of Family Church in South Florida. Welcome to the Church for the Rest of Us podcast. On our podcast, we're committed to giving you scalable ideas that you can use with the resources you have right now at your church. So welcome to Church for the Rest of Us. We're back in the studio today. Continuing our series on multi site church for the rest of us. And today we're talking about multi site communications. Leslie Bennett, my co host, is an expert on church communication. You are over <laughs> all family church communications. And I would love for you to introduce our guest today. Sure
1: thing. Well, I'm excited to be here and get to introduce you to one of somebody I'm a big fan of, and that's Max Lyons. So Max is a guest with us today. He's a pastor and a church planter. He's also, though professionally, a digital marketing expert and communications expert. So Max, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, your family, what you've been doing out there in Chicago, why you moved from Florida to Chicago? That's really the big question, right?
2: yeah so i mean i I never grew up in a Christian household at all, no Christian background. My first job out of college was consulting fortune Five hundred companies and how they should structure their marketing so that was my my background, my passion and then the challenge was I got involved in a local church, started to love Jesus more than you know what I was doing for the work that I was a part of and so then I made a transition, went to Bible college and ended up working on staff at a couple different churches but my my two passions are Marketing and church, and any way that those two things fit together is my wheelhouse. I love it. And met my wife when I was on staff at a church in London in the UK. We have two kids and a third on the way very, very shortly. And so it's, yeah, we, we planted a church five weeks ago. We launched publicly, it's called the Lawn Church. And we felt like God spoke to us and said, Hey, go start a church in Chicagoland. So we stepped out to go do that. But yeah, it's been a very exciting adventure and it's very, very early. Uh, in the church planting journey but it's going really well we got a great team coming together
1: yeah we should note that max planted a church during covid so we could probably have a whole podcast on what max did planting a church digitally in the digital space and then now moving to in person but we're going to talk a little more broadly about communications the other person we brought in today is our own josiah kish um josiah is on our downtown team he serves in our connections ministry Mm And he's going to be our color commentary today because uh, he's a recipient of something that Max helped us put in place. So welcome, Josiah. It's good to have you. You want to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself?
3: Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Glad to be here. Yes. My name is Josiah Kish. The most, I guess, interesting thing in my life is I got married last month. There There you go. go. Yeah. It's been awesome so far. Love her. Wonderful girl. Way out of my league. Just kind of blessed right now.
0: Yeah. She is a wonderful girl. She is way out of your league. But I will say, (laughs) Josiah... She's pretty fortunate to have you, and God's blessed her with a with a good husband, and you guys are a great team. And I'm excited about what God's doing in, in their future, Leslie. So let's talk church communications. Hey, Max, you've helped us for a long time now at Family Church. You've consulted with us and given us a lot of great advice, but a lot of the listeners to this program are uh, in medium-sized or small churches. Some of them are like the only employee of their church. Why should churches of any size care about digital marketing? Definitely. Yeah, well,
2: I think it's funny when because my background was working with for-profit organizations, and for-profit organizations always devote a percentage of revenue to marketing. It's a given. You just are investing in your future growth. And I think when it comes to churches, I came in and assumed that that would be the case, and it wasn't. In fact, most churches spend zero dollars. You know, or a lot of them, you know, even recently, have just started to spend money trying to reach new people. And I think as the church, you know, we're called to reach people with the message of Jesus and to get them involved in a church family. And I think for, you know, where we're at on that journey, there's two ways digitally you can get in front of people. One is it's called organically. It just means that, you know, someone Google searches and you pop up. The other way is you you pay to get in front of somebody. And so when you do that, it's basically, it's a way to get the message of Jesus or uh, tell people about your church and, and put it in front of people who wouldn't normally walk through your doors. And so I think for, you know, for us, we definitely, I realized that there was this huge need in the church world to be able to reach people with the message of Jesus first and foremost. But I think especially right now, there's studies that are saying that since COVID, so many people have walked away and it's a great time to reach a lot of disengaged. I would probably even use the word like orphaned Christians where they're, they're Christians, but they don't have a church home And I think digital marketing is a a huge, huge, huge way to do that. And obviously when you're small, that looks very different than when you're a large multi-site church, our church plant, you know, my wife and I aren't even on staff, right? We're we're fundraising support on the side. And so, you know, we put a huge focus on marketing communications And we have zero staff. You know, my wife and I fundraise all of our own support. We have no other staff members. But then if you've got one person on staff, you know, they're probably doing a little bit of everything. Whereas once you become multi-site and you get a little bit bigger, you probably have a team that's doing it. But I think the way that you do it changes as you grow. But I think, you know, it's never too early to start. And obviously, the again, you're investing in reaching more people with the message of Jesus, and so that's something that you know that we should all be you know invested into. And I think a lot of churches have a passion for it; they just don't know how.
0: Yeah, and Max, one of the things you just said, I, I like you said that when you were in the in the uh, secular uh, corporate world, you were relating to them, and they always had a percentage of their budget designated for marketing. I wonder if you have a, a target or something that you think churches should be thinking about. In terms of what would be a good percentage that churches should be thinking about for marketing? I think it's a great question. So right now for us as a church plant, 5%
2: of everything, all giving that comes in, gets directed to marketing. The reason it's not higher is we're a church plant and we have very little budgets. And so the goal over time would be to increase that to 10%. And, you know, again, the goal is out of every dollar coming in, we're investing 10% of it into marketing, reaching more people. Cause even for example, we were a brand new church plant. We had nobody, my wife and I moved here. We didn't know anybody. We didn't know anyone. We had nothing. We had no money. Right. So we started from scratch and the only way we could get in front of people in the pandemic, Illinois was incredibly locked down. You know, so the first six months we were here, we couldn't even meet a human being face to face because uh, you know, we were banned from meeting in cafes and restaurants. And so we started running some digital advertisements and we were able to get in front of a whole bunch of new people. And I think we spent $2,000 in digital ads over the first few months that we started trying to meet people. And over the course of the next year, that group of people has given, I think over the first year they gave between, again, it's all kind of relative, but somewhere between 10 to 15K in giving over the first year. So we spent $2,000 to reach new people that weren't involved in our church. And then we saw you know, about a, probably just about a, a 10, you know, we saw, saw like ROI in the in the marketing world it's called, but we spent 2000, then we had about 10 to 15,000 come in from that group of people and giving. And I know in the church world, we don't like to talk about ROI, but we can't invest in things that aren't producing a return and aren't producing fruit. And so I think marketing is one of those things where it, it produces fruit if you do it right. Yeah,
0: I think that's a great word. So I wonder if you would kind of uh, review for us or tell us what would you include as a marketing expense. So what when you say you're devoting this much towards marketing, what's in that bucket? Definitely. I
2: think, and and to me, again, marketing and communications are are different. Everyone uh, defines those differently. I would say marketing is reaching people who are not in a relationship with Jesus, or they're not involved in your church, trying to get them to engage with you somehow. So marketing is reaching new people, whereas Once someone joins your church, they're a part of it. You don't market to them because they're part of your congregation, but you would communicate with them. So to us, communications is anybody who's a part of our church. Marketing is things outside of our church. So that 5 to 10%, I would only include that as new people. I wouldn't include any of that for engaging with our existing congregation. And for us, that would be uh, obviously digital ads is a really big way. I think search engine optimization or how high you rank in Google is a huge one. One of the first places someone's going to look if they move to an area, they're not a part of a church, but they're looking for one, is they're going to go into Google and they're going to type in, you know, churches near me or churches in XYZ city. And the majority of churches I speak with have spent zero effort on how do I rank higher in Google. And so, you know, by doing that, by investing in how do we rank higher in Google, we're a brand new church plant. We've got hardly anybody in our church. And when someone churches, uh, when someone, when someone searches churches in our city, we pop up on the top page for every major search that someone would look for. And, you know, again, it's not because we've been around for 30 years. It's because we've been strategic about how we invest into that. So I would say digital ads, uh, how to rank higher in search engines. And then I think once somebody clicks you, uh, clicks your ad or clicks your, your link, they then go to a landing page. And I think website would be a huge, huge, huge bucket included in that. And then there's obviously word of mouth, you know, invite cards, that kind of stuff, you know, whatever whatever churches would normally do for outreach. I think that's a big part of it as well.
0: All right. That's super, super helpful. So I think you've already kind of talked to us a little bit about how important marketing and communications both are for church structure and our approach to connecting and reaching our communities. But what is a way, you know, for a multi-site church to handle digital marketing and communications because a lot of our listeners are multi-site, we're multi-site. Communication and marketing is a huge challenge when you're thinking about multiple sites because from the perspective of a, an attender or a prospective attender, they don't care that, that no one attends a multi-site, they attend a church somewhere. So so how do we do that?
2: Definitely, definitely. Yeah, and I think the challenge is as churches grow, if you know, you're reaching more people, you're launching more campuses, that's an incredible thing to have happen the challenge is it creates tension in your communications and how you engage people. Because back in the day, when it's one location, you can communicate you know pretty much the same thing and everybody gets it. You become multi-site. Let's say you're within the same state. You got contextualized like this campus name versus that campus name, or you know, you want to launch a Spanish speaking campus. Well, then you got to translate everything into Spanish and it adds a whole nother layer of complication. I've talked to churches that have campuses in a tropical area and then they expand to a cold area and in that cold area all of their marketing and branding is palm trees and so <laughs> people walk in in this cold climate and they're like what the heck is this it doesn't resonate and so the more campuses or you know the more the more that you do the more you know spanish extension services or whatever it definitely adds a whole layer of complication to that early phase of growth i think it's better off for churches to be centralized where you keep it within One team. But as you grow, the more campuses you launch, the more extension services you have, you begin to feel that tension of we're doing so many things at once. And and it begins to kind of outgrow one existing team. And so I think the way that you shift that is once you become so complex that your marketing and comms are just not working anymore because you've launched so many new campuses or so many new initiatives, um, then what you want to do is shift to more of a templated approach where you have a central support team that sets up templates, then get given out to the campuses and the campuses can edit them. So that way the majority of the work is done for them, but they can add in their own language or, you know, if it's Spanish, they can translate it. But you basically set up a central pool of resources to then give out to the campuses so that they can edit them and set them up as needed. Because then that way the campuses are doing what they can do The central team is doing what they can do because for a central team, at a certain point, they just don't know what's happening at every individual campus, and it 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 begins to outgrow them for one team to do everything.
1: Well, I'm just asking this for a friend, Max. What number of campuses would you put that at? Just asking for a friend.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think a lot of pastors talk about how they operate their campuses. Right, one campus you run with kind of one leader. Two, you know, you the same team kind of does both. Three four, five, some point in that range, you kind of have to set up a multi-site model Mm -hmm. where you have someone who kind of oversees the campus pastors and tries to help support them and bring consistency. Uh, I would say somewhere in that range is probably where you want to start thinking more then or just after then is when you want to start thinking about setting up uh, templates that you can give out. And so I would say, you know, as you shift to more of a multi-site model, not too far after that. And again, that's different for every church. And if you have multiple languages, it might come sooner rather than later. But I think at some point after you shift to that multi-site approach, it's a good time to start thinking about templates where you give out central resources, but you allow them to be able to edit and update themselves. And that way, they're they're not waiting for the central comms team to do it for them because the central comms team gets overburdened. Mm-hmm. And it also takes a long time for the campuses to get what they want. So both sides kind of get frustrated. And so I think by setting up templates, it allows them to Pull something from the central, you know, resource pool. Edit it as needed, but then it also doesn't overburden the central theme. But I would say shortly after you switch to a multi-site model, you know, maybe four, five, six, seven plus campuses is, is a good time to think about it.
1: That's super helpful. So yeah. when a church is thinking about going multi-site, um, what are some of the factors they should consider as they structure like their website and their social media accounts? Because and you can say whatever you want. You know, for us, we have one website with multiple locations on our website and you know how we've structured our social media accounts, but how would you recommend people doing that as they're thinking about going multi-site?
2: There's two extremes, and I've been a part of or worked with churches that are on both. Mm-hmm. On, on one end of the spectrum is it's like the Wild West. Every campus does whatever they want. They have their own websites, their own accounts. Nothing's consistent. They just get complete freedom to do whatever they want. And um, the campus is oftentimes like that because they get freedom The challenge is it doesn't. It's not a consistent experience for the new person, and it's likely not as good of a result as you could possibly get. At the other end of the spectrum, you've got one team that does everything, and I think the challenge there is it can turn into the central control freak team, where it's you know (laughs) they, they kind of dictate to the campuses. You have to do this. You have to do that. You have to do this, and then you have that tension where they're overburdened. The campuses are frustrated, and so I think somewhere within that is a is a happy middle ground. Um, you know, North Point, uh, to my understanding, went complete wild west for a while. They didn't have any central website and they were outspokenly so. And then they hit this tension where they were like, we can't do this anymore. So they pulled it in and they've got one website now. But I think that the best way to go is to have one central website, but you give the ability to make edits out to those local campuses or, you know, to whatever areas need to make changes. Uh, and so, again, if it's Spanish translations, they can edit the language. Because you don't want the comms team to become a bottleneck where everything has to flow through them, it's too much work. So I would say one central website is ideal for consistency, but giving the ability out to the campuses to be able to edit and make changes, and obviously they need to stay in line with what the general brand guidelines are. Right, you don't want to—they don't want to deviate and go rogue. But I think setting up one web infrastructure with the ability to make edits at the local level is is ideal.
0: And you know, Max, one of the things that you really taught us, I think one of the best things you taught us about website was you told us that we needed to have a call to action. In other words, what is the purpose of a website other than just putting a sign up on the internet? How are we going to engage people? And I don't think that we were doing that. I don't think that ever really crossed our minds. And you really challenged us with that. And I think some of our listeners may be like, Hey, I'm not multi site, but hopefully all of our listeners have a website. And if you have a website, Max, talk about the call to action idea, because that was revolutionary for, yeah. for us.
2: Definitely. And I'll, I'll say two things. The first is coming from a for-profit marketing background, you always figure out who your audience is first. And there's a difference between cold, a cold audience and a warm audience. A cold audience has never heard of you. A warm audience already knows who you are. And as churches, we communicate mostly to a warm audience. Anybody who's in our congregation, they already know who we are. We don't have to convince them that they should come to our, you know, we'll maybe come more consistently, Mm -hmm. but we don't need to convince them, you know, to be a part of our church. They already are. But somebody who's never been to our church, we need to communicate completely differently to them. And so I I drive by churches all the time that have their their sermon series out on their their front drive. And it's not necessarily, it's aimed at their congregation, not necessarily the new person. And so I think with that, when somebody clicks on your ad or they go to your website, you got to know who that page is for. So if the goal is to reach a new person and to get them to come to your church that weekend, there needs to be a very clear call to action. In the for-profit world, you call it ads and funnels, right? You run a set of ads that drive them to a landing page. On the landing page, that's your funnel to get them to take a call to action. And you only ever have one call to action on a funnel if it's a good one. Um, And the whole page is just convincing and compelling somebody to take that action. And then when I started working with churches, I kind of got overwhelmed because on a lot of landing pages, we've got like 30, 40, 50 calls to action, you know, <laughs> sign up for this and do this, and this is happening and do this. And we kind of give, give, communicate a lot of things. <laughs> right. Totally. Yeah. Give. And we communicate a lot of things that people don't, it's not that they don't need to know it. They just don't need to know it right now. And someone who's never come to your church, doesn't care about your bookstore. They don't care about you know, the the 30 ministries that you do, they're just trying to figure out should I come visit this church or not? And so all that stuff is important, but they don't need to know it now. So setting up a landing page where you're only trying to get them to take that first step. You know, it's like we would never expect somebody to become a hundred percent Christ-like without first making that decision to follow Jesus. That's the starting point. And I think for a new person who's never been to our church, we want them to commit to coming first. And then we can Start communicating all the other things that we do, but on the, on a web page, the more calls to action you give somebody, the more options people get overwhelmed. They get confused, and studies say they're much less likely to do anything because they they're confused about what we're trying to get them to do. So, having one clear call to action on our our homepage or our campus pages to try to get somebody to visit in person is what I found the, the most important way to get somebody to actually take that call to action.
0: So,
1: Max led us us to do that with our website and we did that. And then this is where Josiah comes in. So, Josiah has been on the receiving end of those plan your visit forms. So, Josiah, tell us a little bit about what you've experienced receiving those forms, how many you get, what the results have been.
0: Yeah. Let me make sure we hit the step right though because Max was talking about our… Uh, need to have a call to action, right. but you and your team decided our call uh, to action was what?
1: Plan your visit.
0: Yeah, so we wanted to yeah. give people an opportunity to plan their visit. So our website landing page, to see our funnel, was to get how many people can we get to plan our visit? And Josiah is the one who, for one of our campuses, our largest one, Family Church downtown, you manage the plan your visit responses. Mm-hmm. So what happened?
3: Yeah, so. Really, my, my part of the story happens once someone clicks that button and fills out the form, it comes straight to my email. And then from there, I just reach out to them and say, hey, I'm so excited that you're coming to Family Church this weekend. My name's Josiah. Love to meet you face to face in person. We always try to drive it to a one-on-one connection with that individual. Sometimes they want to just kind of sneak in the back room, hear the sermon and, and kind of get out before anyone notices them. But I found it's really the best when we can connect with them because once we connect with them, we try to roll out the red carpet. We try to connect them with as many other staff members, team leaders, and also members of our church as possible just to really make them feel like it's part of the community.
0: And so, Josiah, uh, you've had some good luck. Like, so people, you you make contact, they reach back out to you, you say, hey, after church, I'm going to meet you in the welcome area, whatever. So, you go in there, they've heard the sermon, mm-hmm. you wake them up and then take them into <laughs> the and take them into this <laughs> lobby space or whatever. And then what do you do?
3: Yeah. So... What we try to do is we just try to connect with them. So I remember there's one couple that I was really able to connect with, the Roberts family. They were just excited to come in and kind of have their son start to become part of the church. And with them, we decided to go the extra mile. We don't always do this, but I really wanted just to sit down and grab a meal with these people. And I sat down with them, and I didn't expect this because I mean we live in an unchurched area, but this was just crazy. Um, I started talking to them just about you know their faith in Christ, how they came to church, and they go, hey. We don't even know about Jesus. We just really think there's something special going on here, and we want to be a part of it. And so, kind of seeing the way that somehow those people got into the church—they like
0: what, the mojo, yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. The the vibe check is the youth say these days. Yeah, um, the kids say. But what I love about something like this is it gets people who are just interested but don't even know much about the gospel into the church. So, So. what
1: happened with the Roberts family?
3: So, we're still working with them. Okay. They've got uh, one kid who's still kind of plugged in with youth ministry. And I actually texted him today as I was thinking about them just, hey, we'd love to kind of hang out again, see how they're doing. Yeah. So.
1: But we've had some other people come and actually get connected to our church, get baptized. I mean...
3: Yeah. So, yeah, we've had some of those as well. And honestly, in, in full, you know, authenticity, there's plenty of contacts that don't go as good as this. These are just the good ones. So last month, we had Gordon and Lorraine come through. They were interested in church. I met with them on Sunday morning, and I really invited them to this thing called First Connection. This is kind of one of our funnels where we try to bring people into the church. They were sitting there, and right in the middle of the presentation, we try to share the gospel with every person that comes through. They had never put their faith and trust in Christ before. They were raised in a Catholic background, and they decided to make a decision that day. So it was it was awesome get to getting to shepherd them from that decision into a group and now part of the church. So th-
0: there's been some really cool stories coming out of there. And Leslie, I know you and your team are really proud because we hear this every week. So at our across our 13 campuses every single week there are multiple people who are coming to our church one one and one or some expression of it with the plan your visit form filled out and just even last Sunday we baptized a couple from our family church Sherbrooke right. Leslie, where you and your family attend. And they were baptized. They filled out the plan your visit form. Mm -hmm. They were completely unchurched, irreligious. In fact, the story is this family came to a Bible study and they came back the next week and said, we got some serious questions. And the pastor said, okay, what's your serious question? They said, you said, told us to read Hebrews 1 colon 1 dash 15. What the (laughs) heck is 1 colon 1 dash 15? And so the pastor had to explain to him the the big numbers of the chapters and the little numbers of the verses. So these are the kinds of people, but they were looking for something. And now these people have become believers. They've gotten mm-hmm. baptized. And they're now that they understand how to find stuff in the Bible, they're studying the Bible. And but all because, you know, Max, what you taught us with this funnel approach on our website. So we've seen numerous people saved and uh, uh, scores of people attend our church because we've done that. And I think a church of any size- mm-hmm could advance their strategy by doing something something like this.
1: That's right. So, yeah. Max, let's ask you that question. There's lots of churches who can't, like you said, hire someone to do this or someone to just focus on digital marketing communications. So, what advice could you give someone, um, a pastor or ministry leader who's basically out there kind of doing it on their own? How could they get started?
2: Definitely. And I, I think at the end of the day, you got to know yourself. And so, for example, like my background's marketing and communication. So, I I tend to have a really a lot of, you know, to speak into how do I do that here at at the church that I'm leading. But if I were not uh, inclined that way at all, you have to find somebody who can help you. And so, maybe that's someone in your church who does marketing for a job and they can volunteer to help you with your digital marketing. Or maybe it's finding an outside agency that can come in and help support you. With that, you just got to be careful that it's an agency that's actually going to help you, not just take your money. And so you got to make sure that you're finding the right people. But if you're inclined that way, you can do it yourself. If not, you got to find people who can support you, whether it's volunteer or hiring someone else in.
1: And there are some resources or are there some resources that you could point people to who just want to learn more?
2: Yeah, about marketing in general. You know, If someone wants to rank higher in Google there's a guy named Neil Patel. He's one of the top search engine optimization experts in the world. I, I read his blog constantly, what he's coming out with. When it comes to digital advertising, there's a guy named Rudy Maurer. He's one of the top five Facebook ad experts in the world. So I took one of his mastermind courses. You know, So again, there's a lot of things you can invest in and study. But if you're a senior pastor and you're like, hey, I don't have the time, that's totally fine. You just got to find who that, that right person is. I think when it comes to messaging, Donald Miller wrote a book called Building a Story Brand. It's hands down the best book I've ever read around how do you communicate a message that resonates and gets people to take action. And so, you know, if you're a senior pastor and you want to geek out on marketing, you can check those out. Otherwise, find somebody in your church or bring in somebody from outside who can help you to do that.
0: Yeah. So there's always going to be people who are going to hear a podcast like this and they're going to push back theologically and they're going to say, oh, you guys are all about marketing and branding and all this kind of stuff. And it's not... It's not spiritual, it's not for me, but I just want to encourage everybody that this is not contrary to the gospel or contrary to the Great Commission in any way. This is part of operating in our culture. In my opinion, it's part of what St. Paul said he was going to do, which is become all things to all men, that by some means he might save some. And so I'd encourage pastors, wherever you are, go ahead and do what you can with what you have. Don't compare yourself to somebody else and feel like, oh, those churches are big or they have a bigger budget, or they have bigger staff. You can take a small step. You could even ask a teenager or a college student in your church just to help you do something on social media, to help you improve your website in some way. And I'd encourage everybody to get involved. Now, Max, you do have a business. This is part of the way that you and your wife make your living. If someone wanted to reach out to you and see if you were a good fit for their church in terms of uh, paid consultation and doing business with you in this area, what would be the way they could do that?
2: Definitely. I think the easiest way would be to email me at max, M-A-X at maxmlions.com. So max at max M as in Mary, lions, L-Y-O-N-S.com. That's the easiest way to get in touch with me is just email
0: directly. And I want to be clear that uh, this is how Max makes his living. So this is not for everyone to just like try to get freebies off of Max. But I would also (laughs) say that if you think about it, Max is a bivocational church planner. And he owns his own business. And there's a sense in which if you want to be a part of a great church plant, Elan Church in Chicagoland, part of the way that you could do that is maybe think about employing Max and his company to help your church reach people where you are. And when you do it, you'll help Max and his church reach people where they are. So it's kind of a really cool partnership. And Max, if somebody wanted to get involved with Elan Church, how could they do that? Uh, yeah, if someone wants to get involved, they can go to our website,
2: church. And that's where you can find out everything that's happening with a lawn church. You can even feel free to check out our Naperville campus page, which is an example. You know, again, I'm on a church planner budget. I pay 14 bucks a month for my website. And uh, with our <laughs> Naperville campus page, that's what I've set up as a funnel. I mean, we've had over a, a thousand people fill out some sort of a form on our website to say, I want to find out more, or I want to visit your church this weekend, or you know, people RSVP'd for launch day. So even if it's just checking out the website, you know, again, on a shoestring budget with no fancy bells and whistles. You know, this is what, what we're doing in this season, so it could be a good example for people to check out as well.
0: Yeah, And Leslie, I, I do want to affirm to everybody we don't have any kind of a financial arrangement with Max for being on here. Max is just doing us a favor by being on here. We're not paying him to do it. Also, he's not paying us to advertise for him. But I will say, we've used Max. Max has made our church better. He's helped us, and I would endorse him to you as somebody that you guys might want to look at. Hey, for all of you who are out there, we are really grateful that you listened to us today. I know that I learned a lot. I'm encouraged by it. I hope that you did too. Please be ready to join us for the next episode as we continue this series of conversations on multi-site church for the rest of us. I'm Jimmy Scroggins signing off for Leslie Bennett, Joe Kish and Max Lyons, church for the rest of us. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. I'd love for you to check out familychurchnetwork.com to chime in on our blog or follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Scroggins. We want to connect with you and learn from you because we're in this together. We're all learning from each other. We are church for the rest of us.